1: In the '90s, New York detective Louis Scarcella locked up the worst criminals. Putting bad guys away. There's no feeling like it. Then jailhouse lawyers took aim, led by Derek Hamilton. Scarcella took me to the precinct and lied. Twenty men eventually walked free. Now, in the Burden podcast, after a decade of silence, Louis Scarcella finally tells his story, and so does Derek Hamilton. Listen to The Burden on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your
0: podcasts. Warning, you're about to enter the arena and join the battle to save America with your host, John Parnell. Hey, everybody. It's
2: Friday. Welcome to Battleground Live. It has been one hell of a week here in Fort Parnell, I have to tell you. Uh, For most of you all who are, you've been with me for a long time, you know that I do this show right out of my basement. I'm lucky enough now that I've got a TV right there. So. As I'm doing the show, I can kind of look out of the corner of my eye to see what's breaking. So as it happens, like I can get it to you real quickly and give you the inside scoop on it. But my studio is basically right out in the middle of everything. Brock and I were talking before uh, the show, you know, and Fridays are always, always very hectic uh, here in Fort Parnell because we got five different kids that are here and they're all running five different ways from Sunday. Uh, So it's, of course, the last high school football game here and in western pennsylvania high school football is a huge deal so all the girls are going to the football game the boys are staying here it's also halloween weekend and uh natalie uh, my my daughter is dressing up as you know a men in black character and i had to tie her tie before the show and they're all gathered around the desk and the computer and the camera and the lights and pups mcgee is down here of course and she runs upstairs pulls the wires out of the wall, lights go flying, camera goes flying. So we had to do some last minute triage just before the show started. So I hope everything looks okay. Um, But we're doing, hey, we're we're like this, this close to raising enough money to get a new camera. We're like on, on the home front there. I think we're gonna be able to upgrade our camera, which would bring... A much much better quality viewing experience if you're actually watching on Rumble and you should be because I think watching the show is. I mean, obviously you can't always watch, especially if you're driving. But if you can watch, I think it's better. You know, gives you just another layer, um, to the to the entertainment. So all good on that front. Uh, as usual, if you're watching this show, uh, we've got two sorts of inner interlocking fields of fire here. Uh, obviously we the battleground live got picked up by red voice media and we run in the five o'clock time slot on that network. Now simultaneously Uh, we're not doing it tonight um, because one of the producers over there had a problem with one of his family uh, with, with his wife, um, She's she's sick right now. Uh, she could use your prayers. So if you're watching on Red Voice Media or you're watching here in Parnell's Platoon on Battleground Live on my feed, please uh, say a prayer for for her. Uh, their family could sure use them. But as usual, if you're watching from Red Voice Media, make sure you make your way over here to Battleground Live and subscribe. If you're watching Battleground Live here on my Rumble page, make your way over to Red Voice Media and subscribe there because my show is just one of many very, very conservative shows. Shows and, and as most people know, um, I don't know if you have a sense of this, I, I have to say, cable news media seems to be kind of going out of style. I mean, like I have lots of friends that work at Fox News. I've been going on that show since two, on that network since 2012. Um, some real good people there, but people are kind of getting sick and tired of the cable news shtick, and they're kind of looking for alternative sources of media. Well, that's sort of where Red Voice Media comes in. They've got lots of independent, uh, independent media content creators that are all super conservative, and they they broadcast here on Rumble so they can actually speak the truth without getting canceled. So great, they're they're, they're still uh, in their infancy, but they've got a great lineup. Of people, so just Red Voice Media is good. Keep your eye out for them, as always. Like this, vi- like this video. Need need as much help as we can get. Um, this show Rumble notices that stuff, and if they notice, it makes it more likely that we actually get actual advertisers on this show. Uh, we have a couple of great sponsors already, but the more we get, the better the show becomes. The more people we reach, and so be sure to like this. Be sure to subscribe to Battleground Live. This show is and will always be yours. And it will always air Monday through Friday, as of this point, anyway. Monday through Friday, uh, five p.m. Eastern time to six. So let's just get right to it. Um, yesterday, uh, we talked a little bit about this crazy story about uh, the potential for uh, of Mark Meadows wearing a wire as chief of staff and recording. President then-President Donald Day Trump in private conversations in and out of the Oval Office and in the White House. Absolutely crazy. Brock texted me that, uh, my producer extraordinaire, he texted me that story. And, and what's crazy about it is, I, I mentioned it briefly yesterday, is that while we were both outraged that something like that might be true, and, it, and, and frankly, in this day and age, I mean, how could you not at least Believe it initially, right? Um, with all the craziness that the FBI has done, like, of course, you'd be inclined to maybe e- believe that something like that were possible, as outrageous as it was. But more than that, Brock and I were just like, eh, "Well, that's just that's just like par for the course in this day and age." And isn't, isn't that a sad commentary of the state of affairs uh, in this country? Um, but anyway, so following up on that, um, Ryan Fournier, the gentleman on Twitter now known as X put out a clarification on what on that story and I'm going to read it to you here directly so you have the full scoop. Ryan says on X, yesterday a I, I put up a tweet alleging that Mark Meadows wore a wire in the White House during the last stretch. I've spoken with some of my sources again and now it seems that infor- that information was wrong and incorrect. In fact, two of them retracted their statements on the matter entirely. I apologize for putting something out without not being 100% accurate. That's on me, and I'll do better next time. I do also apologize to Congressman Meadows and his staff for having to field questions on the issues. There seems to be some dark forces behind the scenes trying to get Meadows and and to me that it seems to be there are some dark forces behind the scenes trying to get Meadows and to me that is very problematic, especially when it seems like it's being sent through the grapevines by some of our own. Um, and then he goes on to say uh, disclosing his source. And he only disclosed one, which is kind of interesting because he said there were multiple members of Congress that gave him this sort of inside scoop on stuff that, again, turned out to be false. Um, but he said former Representative Mark Walker is the original source of these claims. So here's here's the deal we all talk about. You know, and I'm sure you've heard about. Uh, people talk about the Uniparty um, and how dangerous it is. And we've talked about on this show uh, about the dangers of of the Democrats actually working with or working with Republicans behind the scenes to push whatever goal is best for their party. It, it, oftentimes that is not in the best interest of the American people. And only until recently, have we even really known what's going on. And the man who exposed all of that stuff. Was Donald J. Trump. For whatever reason, I'm telling you, for and this this is this has never ceased to baffle me. Okay. Uh for whatever reason. I mean, you think about this. I really want you to think about this. Donald J. Trump was an A-list celebrity. I mean, top of the top of the top, was one of the elite members of our society. Every one of these celebrities who now hate him, who want to throw him in jail for like a thousand years, um, every one of these celebrities, every one of these politicians, even people like Hillary Clinton, George Stephanopoulos, like all these hardcore Democrats that are in the media, all these people were at his wedding. They would wait around the block just to get into this guy's party before he was running for president. They loved this guy, loved him. Runs for president with an R after his name, and then it just went into complete smear overdrive mode, the likes of which I we've ne- I, no president in American history. And I'm going to repeat that. No president in American history has ever been smeared or slandered the way that Donald J. Trump has. And the reason for that is, is that that guy pisses off Democrats and Republicans equally. Every day. He's an outsider in the truest sense of the word. And more than all of that, the reason why these people hate him, and I mean this the reason why the Democrats, Republicans, media types, celebrities, he used to be one of them. He used to be an elite, as we call them here on this show, an elite member of our society. But he turned his back on that coalition, preferring instead to throw his weight. In his celebrity and his name and his life behind saving this country, you know whether it's putting America first, which of course now the left and the media classify as xenophobic and racist. Like, isn't it crazy that we live in a world today where saying America first, or even you even hear the Democrats talk about this as if it's a derogatory term? You Joe Biden, you see, hear him on the stump all the time with oh, these extreme mega, mega Republicans. Well, like, okay, so it's kind of cliche, maybe a little bit of a buzzword now, but MAGA simply means make America great again. There's nothing extreme about that. There's nothing extreme about wanting to put this country first. America is suffering from some serious, serious pathologies, the likes of which could fracture our nation forever. I mean, I'm serious. Uh, Brock and I were just talking about before the show. Um, how I, I'd like to figure out a way to make the show a little bit more lighthearted than it is, because, you know, we play this mouth breather drinking game and we talk about serious stuff all the time. And, you know, it's five o'clock, right? So it's happy hour. So it's OK maybe to have a drink every now and again. But like we talk about serious stuff and I feel like I'm sending you people into the week into the weekend, like very, very, very stressed. And while they're So much negative stuff out there, really, it's just, you know, like a fire hose of negativity every day coming out of the media. I figured I want to try to, you know, make things a little bit more positive for you. But it's just unbelievable to me how difficult that is to do with just how corrupt things are in this country right now. And, you know, speaking of Donald Trump, you know, thankfully, this whole thing with Mark Meadows is not true. I mean. Not that I have a whole lot of faith in the FBI as it is, but my God, if it were if it were true, uh, we it, it'd be safe to say that we don't live in a country called America anymore. Uh, but speaking of Trump, something else that that should be headline news everywhere, but strangely is not. And I think the reason for that is fairly obvious. It's because president it, it's actually paints It's it's good for President Trump. I mean, Of course, the media benefits by not telling his side of the story. And this is, of course, why, you know, beady eyed, mouth breathing prosecutor Jack Smith wants the gag order. And and Judge Chutkin granted it, uh, albeit on a limited basis. But that's why they, they want Jack Smith to be able to leak as much as he wants to the press. They want his surrogates to be able to go on CNN, MSNBC, ABC uh, CBS, NBC, whatever. He wants those people to have free reign, tactical flexibility to talk about whatever they want, but he doesn't want Trump to be able to defend himself. Well, in the D.C. January 6 case, a, a little talked about motion that, that Trump's attorneys filed, uh, I think is, is very, very significant. And I'm going to read directly from that for you, and I'll tell you why I think it's significant. Trump will offer, This is this is from the actual motion itself, Trump will offer classified information at trial relating to foreign influence activities that impacted the 2016 and 2020 elections, as well as efforts by his administration to combat those activities. You see, what's interesting about this is like central to this point, and I mentioned this to you yesterday, is the idea That Trump knew he was that the election was not stolen, yet pushed the fact that it was thereby committing fraud on behalf of the American people. But as I told you yesterday, having met Donald Trump many times myself, believe me, that guy, 100 percent, every fiber of his being believes that the election was stolen. And frankly, he's right. It was. But this stuff about classified information, you know, I, I witnessed things that happened during the election that were against the law and illegal. I witnessed how very clearly how the numbers didn't add up, how the Democrats rigged the system. There's probably very few people in America that can talk about the 2020 election better than me because I lived it. I saw it. I witnessed it myself. My staff and I did the math. Month after the election, we were our heads were still spinning on how something like that could possibly happen. So we know about it. But this idea that there's classified information out there. Boy, this this turns everything on its head, stuff that I might not that I I don't know. You don't know. The only people that do know are Trump and maybe some of his trusted intelligence officials around him. What the hell could that look like? I don't know. But but what I'm building to here is that the president of the United States, whether it's a Democrat or Republican, has a constitutional obligation to make sure that our elections are secure. And so I think the point that Trump is going to make in court was not only is do I believe that the elections in 2016, 2020, 2016 had serious issues. 2020 was definitely rigged, but that he was also fulfilling his constitutional obligation and mandate from the American people to speak out and protect elections in this country. So if that's the case, which I believe that it is, how in the hell could he be guilty of fulfilling his constitutional obligation to this country and to the American people. It's absolutely ridiculous. All this, this weapon, it's it's absolutely ridiculous that we are where we are in this country, but here we are. And so speaking, done with Trump, let's move on to Biden. Some some breaking uh, news about Joe Biden. This from Catherine Herridge, I think she's at CBS now, uh, released a report today GOP oversight letter to uh, wrote a letter to the White House for records slash IRS filings confirming a $200,000 check was repaid. So, of course, you've all seen the news. I know if you watch Wendy Bell Radio or if you're watching on Red Voice Media. I'm sure you've seen the news of Joe Biden getting paid $200,000 from his family on behalf of an ailing company that was on, on a loan. Was it was it a loan? Was it not? We don't know. But I'm, I'm sure you've seen the black and white check plastered everywhere with Joe Biden's name signed on it. Clearly, clearly. That does evidence of some level of corruption and fraud. So keep that in mind as I go on here. But the letter of the White House for Records IRS filings confirming the $200,000 check was repaid. They're asking if it was repaid and, quote, no records in the committee's possession state that Joe Biden made a large loan payment to his brother. Indeed, there appears to have been no interest paid on the loan and quote, loan based on the White House's own representations. The current lack of documentation leaves reason to doubt claims that this transaction was repayment for a legal loan. We request applicable documentation and IRS filings were properly made. So this could be a a smoking gun, as the media likes to say in this case, because if this wasn't a loan, then what the hell was it? I'll tell you exactly what it was. It was Joe Biden. It was a co- it was a company trying to buy Biden selling influence and a company trying to buy the influence that his name had to offer. It wasn't a loan. All that was just a cover story. All that was just a lie. And if this trail that the GOP oversight uh, co- oversight committee is, is on continues to heat up, you can bet the Democrats are going to sweat this big time going into 2024 because Joe Biden's favorabilities have just plummeted 11 points in two months. I mean, seriously, the guy's down at, I think his overall favorability in the wake of the horrific massacre in Israel is down to like something like 37%. That's lower at this point in time in a presidency of Donald Trump. That's lower than Barack Obama. That's lower than George W. Bush. Um, His net favorability has plummeted in the last month. And this is why you're seeing there's new member of Congress. Can't remember the guy's name. Doesn't really matter. I don't really think he has a snowball's chance in hell to win um, the primary. But Democrats are starting to realize that they have a real problem heading into 2024. Presidents that have a 37% approval rating don't often win elections. You juxtapose that with how strong Trump is performing with Latinos and Black Americans and, you know, independents. He's winning in all of those categories. Even with RFK on the ballot, who is a net drag on him, Trump is still winning. And not only is he winning, he's overperforming the margin of fraud in some of these critical swing states. Now, RFK Rich Barris just released polling on this uh, the other day, Savage Rich Barris. We have him on the show often of all of the swing states, RFK hurts Joe Biden the most in my home state, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Uh, it, Trump, I think, was up. I, I can't quite remember. A, a point. I think he costs Trump a point and a half in the state of Pennsylvania. Well, I can tell you folks that the margin in Pennsylvania, even if Trump outperforms the outperforms the fraud in a historic level, even with. Even with Republicans outpacing Democrats in voter registration, at best, you're only going to see a two-point margin of victory in Pennsylvania. Maybe, maybe three for a Republican. Pennsylvania is a tough state. Uh, Not impossible. Donald Trump has already demonstrated the ability that he could win it once in 2016. They pulled out all the stops in 2020 to cheat here, and the margin was still only 80,000 votes. And remember, in the state of Pennsylvania— All the other stuff that we talked about with mail and ballots, drop boxes, Zuckerbucks, private funds, funding elections. By the way, and the reason why private funds funding elections are important, that money was not appropriated by any committees in the state house or the state Senate to be properly used for elections. So if there's no oversight on how that money is used, of course they're going to cheat. Democrats rigged their own primary elections. What makes you think that they wouldn't rig a general in states that they controlled the governor's mansion, right? Because of course they would. That's what they do. Um, but even on the ballot in Pennsylvania, the Democrats on the Pennsylvania Supreme Court did everything that they could to remove from the ballot the Green Party candidate, which typically siphons votes away from Democrats, while simultaneously leaving the libertarian candidate on the ballot. So again, like they didn't, they 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 pulled all the arrows, fired all the arrows out of their quiver in 2020. Okay, to to even structuring the ballot to cut against Trump and the libertarian in the state of Pennsylvania. The overall margin Trump lost, and I use the term loosely, in the state of Pennsylvania in 2020 by 80,000 votes approximately. The libertarian candidate got something like 79,100 votes. So just to give you a sense, like if that guy wasn't on the ballot, those votes likely go to Trump. And even with all the cheating, Trump could have won, even with all the cheating. So the, the good news is, is that, winning in the state of Pennsylvania is far more favorable today. And even if you're not from Pennsylvania, what I've tried to tell you over and over and over again, you might be in a state like California that no Republican will ever win for the next hundred years unless things get so bad there that people just flip their ideology completely. That's unlikely to happen. But the entire country, if you're a Republican, if Republicans win Pennsylvania in 24, it's over. Because chances are, if they're going to win Pennsylvania, they're also going to win Michigan. They're also going to win Arizona. They're also going to win Georgia, also going to win North Carolina. Okay, but Pennsylvania is the linchpin for Republicans. Trump almost won it with all the cheating in 2020. And the good news is Pennsylvania, by the numbers, is what hell of a lot more favorable today. I'm talking we have over 200, almost 150,000 more Republicans in Pennsylvania today than we did in 2020. And we continue with the automatic voter registration, which everybody, all the Republicans freaked out about when Shapiro did it. We've continued to outpace the Democrats in automatic voter registration in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania by a two to one margin. So it will be even more favorable in 2024 than it was in 22, than it was in 2020 before that. This is possible. We can do this. And so this is why Democrats are worried. This is why you had a new Democrat. He's a member of Congress from Minnesota. Again, I can't quite remember his name. It doesn't really matter what his name is. He's not going to win. But that guy just got in the presidential race against Biden and completely acknowledged. And I think in a video on a Sunday show in CBS or something like that said something. Look, Democrats have a major problem. We have our heads in the sand about all of this. And if the election were held today, we would likely lose. And if these polls and trends continue, Joe Biden will lose in November of 2024. So I, you know, I talk about all the we talk about very negative, stressful stuff on this show all the time. It seems like I'm telling you all this now, because even with the weaponization of our federal government and the cheating that they do in elections and the 14th Amendment challenges to Trump in critical swing states, it's just sometimes it seems like there's evil is winning. Sometimes it seems like there's no hope, like our backs are up against the wall. We're surrounded. We're outmanned. We're outgunned. How the hell are we going to do this? Well, I'm here to tell you, hopefully just what I told you right now, that there is hope. And it's not just me saying, of course, Trump can win. No, by the numbers, he can do it. And believe me, of all the swing states, Pennsylvania is the most challenging. So while while RFK hurts him the most here, Trump can still win. And if he can still win here, he's overperforming in all these other swing states as well. So we have to put our nose to the grindstone. We have to work hard. We have to make sure that every single day we're doing people we're doing as much as we humanly can to bring people into our tent, to get people out on Election Day, because that stuff is just so critically important. Um, OK, before I move on, Commander Melanie is texting me here in the middle of the show. Oh, my gosh. Look at this. OK, so we got people in the live chat. Stay salty. Gave five bucks in the super chat. Thank you. Steel City Ken, five bucks. Steve served 20 bucks. Kevin and Lois 20 bucks. Thank you all. Um, you don't have to do that. Uh, but it helps so much. I mean, we're just about to break a goal of of raising $1,000 just on this show. 100% of that money is going to be going to get a new camera. And again, I'm going to loop you in on all that. I mean, I'm not a producer. I'm not a tech guy. Um, but it helps. And so th- you don't have to do that. But thank you. Uh, Fort Parnell is grateful. Um, thank you all. Um, So, so grateful. Um, there is hope, everybody. That's why I'm leading in with this. That's why I'm telling you this, especially before I get to this next segment, which really scares the living daylights out of me. It's actually the title of the show. Um, It's called A Major War is on the Horizon. And there is a major war on the horizon. And no, I'm not talking about Ukraine. Uh, Yes, it's related to Ukraine. It's related to Israel. But there's something going on, folks. There's something going on. There's a major, and I mean major, military mobilization happening in this country right now. I haven't seen anything like it since 9-11. I'm going to break it all down for you. But first, let me just tell you a little bit about American Alternative Assets. I mean, it's it's a sponsor of the show, and it's like... Spon- sponsors help us pay the bills, you know, and and so American Alternative Assets is one of them. Uh, it says Bidenomics is not working. The U.S. dollar is losing value and your hard earned savings are at risk. You can now act before it's too late with one straightforward, entirely legal tax loophole. Contact my friends at American Alternative Assets for a free wealth protection guide. Learn how to safeguard your wealth from a failing dollar in volatile markets with gold and silver IRAs. Dial 833, the number two USA gold. That's 833 287 Two four six five, or visit protect from Biden. Dot protect from Biden.com because Joe Biden is old, decrepit, and he sucks. Now, this invaluable guide will outline the precise steps you need to take immediately to transfer your IRA or 401k into precious metals, all without any tax consequences. So call eight three three, the number two USA Gold. That's 833-287-2465 or visit protect from Biden.com. Okay, let's get right back to it here. Um, there is a major war on the horizon. And it really, really scares me really does not a lot scares me. I've been to combat before part of I guess part of the reason why it does scare me a little bit is because I've been to combat before I know how terrible it is. I was in the light infantry. Fought in direct combat, you know, for those watching on Red Voice Media, if you maybe don't know my back background, hundreds of direct fire engagements, thousands of indirect fire engagements with the enemy. We really fought a global jihadist all-star team over there in Afghanistan in six four hundred and sixty-five days, four hundred and eighty-five days of combat in a row. Um, longest combat deployment in global war and terror history. I'm proud of my time in Afghanistan. I'm proud of the time I spent with my soldiers, but it doesn't mean that war is not hell. And we are hurtling into an environment that is somehow and it it's very difficult for me to say this but somehow more dangerous than what we faced in Afghanistan folks the world has changed significantly just in the last 4 years let alone in the last 20 our enemies have capabilities that we that that have outpaced us the threats that we face are vastly different. What I mean by that, we face now a conventional threat in Russia, a conventional threat, military threat in China, um, a conventional threat in Iran, while simultaneously facing an asymmetric threat, a, a an insurgent threat, a, an Islamic extremist threat in Israel, whether it's with Hezbollah, Hamas, Islamic Jihad. Military is not ready for this, folks. It, so I just want to cut to this video of Blinken. Uh, Blinken was at the U.N. He gave a speech uh, and he warned Iran that the United States will respond decisively to any attacks. And here's the deal, folks. The U.S. just last night started striking pro- terrorist proxy targets, whatever that means, and uh, in, in Syria. Uh, we've already taken military action. Secretary Blinken gave this speech yesterday or the day before. So two days later, we've already taken action. Against what I don't, I again, I don't, there's, I have no clarity. I haven't seen what they call a, B, a BDA, a battle damage assessment of what, of who we attacked, what it looks like, what we destroyed. I have no idea. I'm just listening to what the Pentagon is saying. And by the way, I don't trust anyone at the Pentagon as far as I can throw them, but we've already struck decisively against targets in Syria. I mean, folks, we attacked a country. I mean, of course somebody attacks our people, somebody attacks American troops, somebody goes after our people, find them, kill them. I have no problem with that. But do you know, I haven't seen any news about what happened in Syria. I don't don't know who we hit, the name of the terror group, what infrastructure, was it a training site? Was it men? Was it weapons? Was it equipment? What we used F-15. So what kind of bombs did we drop? Did we kill any of them? Were the target? I have no answers to any of that stuff. Yet we just committed an action against another. I mean, so I I just want more clarity on this. And here again, I feel like we're barreling right into a fight. We have no information whatsoever. And our leaders aren't being transparent about it. We haven't debated the damn issue in Congress at all. It's just so frustrating having just finished 20 years of war. I mean, seriously, I'm 42 years old. 20 years this country's been at war. I was uh, an infantry lieutenant, an officer. I saw combat during that time. Have we learned nothing? I, again, some things are worth fighting for. You bet. You attack our people, we're coming after you. Put me on the front lines, commanding the troops. I'll do it myself. But be honest with the American people. So look, check this video out of Secretary Blinken at the UN yesterday warning Iran that the United States will respond to me have if Iran attacks American troops. Go ahead and roll the tape.
3: Iran has supported Hamas, Hezbollah, the Houthis, and other groups that continue to carry out attacks on Israel. Iranian leaders have routinely threatened to wipe Israel off the map. In recent weeks, Iran's proxies have repeatedly attacked U.S. personnel in Iraq and Syria, whose mission is to prevent ISIS from renewing its rampage. So let me say this before this Council, and let me say what we've consistently said to Iranian officials through other channels. The United States does not seek conflict with Iran. We do not want this war to widen. But if Iran or its proxies attack US personnel anywhere, make no mistake. We will defend our people. We will defend our security swiftly and decisively.
2: So, the Iran foreign uh, the Iranian foreign minister came here to the United States. Okay, now, Iran, I'm sorry. Am I the only one that has a problem with the foreign minister of Iran coming to America after Iran has had a mission of exporting terror around the world and has killed hundreds, if not thousands of American troops in harm's way with EFP IEDs, improvised explosive devices? Every IED that was an i can't remember what the hell they acronym—explosively forced penetrator, an EFP, where where they'll plant these IEDs with a depleted uranium rod in the middle of them, underneath an Abrams tank or an up-armored Humvee, they detonate the I the IED, the explosive. Would melt the armor on the outside of the tank. Well, melt it or weaken it. While the depleted uranium EFP explosively force penetrator would actually go into the actual armor, the tank, the truck, and go right outside the other other right outside the other side of it. It creates a vacuum inside the truck. Immediately kills people when it severs limbs, horrific injuries. Sometimes, if, if if it's bad enough, American troops are getting pulled outside of the hole that's this big on the other side. These tactics were developed in iran Why the hell does this guy have the ability to come into america come into new york and talk on the floor of the un i it just I, I don't i don't approve of it and no one else is talking about it this guy's an enemy of the united states he doesn't get to come here and talk to us he just died just it drives me crazy We should be at least meeting if we're going to meet with Iran uh, in the service of diplomacy and avoiding war. It should be at least on neutral territory. I don't want this guy here. These people are terrorists. But listen to what this guy said and pay very close attention because we just attacked Iranian proxy targets in Syria. But go ahead and listen to Iran's foreign minister here at the U.N. General Assembly.
4: shows that we have always supported peace and security. But today in New York and the United Nations. I say frankly to the American statesmen who are now managing the genocide in Palestine that we do not welcome the expansion of the war in the region. But by war, if the genocide in Gaza continues, they will not be spared from this fire. It is our home and West Asia is our region. We do not compromise with any party and any side, and we have no reservation when it comes to our home's security. The genocide in Gaza must stop immediately. The forced displacement of the people of Gaza must be stopped immediately. Today, Gaza is waiting for urgent and vital humanitarian aid. According to international law, the Palestinian liberation movement Hamas is fighting the occupation and has a legit.
2: OK, I want to read this to you because it's kind of hard to understand. He says, And these are these are quotes. You won't be spared. Speaking to American statesmen, you won't be spared from the fire of the war in the region if the Gaza war doesn't stop. I say it frankly to American statesmen: We don't welcome the expansion of war in the region. But if the genocide in Gaza continues, they won't be spared from this fire. I I got news for you on behalf of all of America. Go to hell, man. Seriously, you don't even belong in this country. You don't get to come to America and say that stuff. But here is the deal: when I say, and I've told you many times in the show that the that the Biden administration hired an Iran and Hamas and Iran sympathizer, terrorist sympathizer named Rob Malley. He is a known terrorist sympathizer. It was so bad that Barack Obama fired him for being an Hamas sympathizer. When, during his first term as president. Joe Biden brought him back and made him the special envoy to Iran. He, Rob Malley, brought on three or four other Iran sympathizers into his administration to help negotiations to Iran. The goal of those negotiations were to soften U.S. policy towards Iran, to help Iran, to help pave the way for Iran to get a nuclear weapon. That in and of itself to me is treason. Just trying to help Iran get the bomb is treason. But to add insult to injury, the it was so bad that the, the terrorist sympathizing, for lack of a better term, was so bad that the FBI suspended the security clearances of this entire team because this entire team was referring to people like the Iran foreign minister can't even pronounce his name, Amir Babaldola or whatever the hell his name is, but they were referring to this guy as his majesty. People that work for Joe Biden as part of our government were referring to the Iranian foreign minister. We know this because we've seen the leaked emails as his majesty in all caps. Now that doesn't exactly bode well for the United States's global ambitions, especially as it pertains in the Middle East. It sounds like treason to me. And if that's not enough, Speaking of treason, uh, just watch this video. I'm going to break this all down for you after you watch it, but this is going to blow your mind. I'm not sure if you heard this yet, but this video uh, that shows 500 Hamas and Palestinian Islamic jihad militants training in Iran in September, September, the attack on Israel was October 7th. This this training happened in September. Joe Biden has said multiple times. along with people of his administration that they've seen no evidence that iran was actually responsible for planning this attack well there these very people palestinian islamic jihad militants and hamas 500 of them trained in iran in september here's the video roll the tape
5: militants practicing takeoffs landings and assaults with paragliders took place over a year ago according to the metadata The shadows and position of the sun in this video indicates that these filmed training sessions either lasted for hours or took place on multiple days. During the October 7th attack, paragliders took off at dawn near the two camps nearest the Gaza-Israel border as missiles were being launched behind them towards Israel. In these videos, Hamas terrorists are also seen practicing with the type of weaponry they would use to attack on October 7th. They created mock Israeli buildings, streets, and are seen carrying out a number of different assault tactics on them. Videos show they even practiced taking prisoners and zip-tying their hands. In three of the training camps, they even created mock-ups of Israeli tanks, trucks with the large outer shell constructed to look like a tank, and practice assaulting it with rocket-propelled grenades and other explosives. When asked for comment on CNN's reporting, an Israel defense spokesperson originally said that the camps were nothing new, that Hamas had many camps, and that the military had targeted them in the past during escalations. After CNN provided the IDF with more information about the camps, the spokesperson said they could not comment any further, saying that it involved complex analysis of intelligence at the same time that we are fighting a war. The spokesperson went on to say that they would investigate the topic, along with others, at the end of the Gaza war.
2: Okay, so here's the part that's going to really piss you off. That training happened in September, a full month prior to the, the massacre in Israel. It's very clear it's Hamas. It's very, very clear. It's Palestinian Islamic Jihad. Now, Islamic Jihad, they're the people that are primarily behind all these rocket attacks into Israel. They're the people that were responsible for hitting the hospital with a rocket that fell short. Hamas and 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 the Palestinian Islamic Jihad work hand in hand. OK, this training happened in September. This The very same month that the Biden administration released six billion dollars in sanction free money to Iran. What do you think our enemies use that money for? Now, of course, the Biden administration, because they think you're all are stupid. And maybe some of their most radical far left people who support them, you know, low information voters, mouth breathers. Yeah, maybe those people are stupid, but we are not. They they said that, oh, it's just for humanitarian aid. You know, they're not going to be able to. Oh, really? Cash is fungible. We know that, right? You can basically use it for anything, Right. And it doesn't exactly bode well because we had a higher, Biden had appointed Iranian sympathizers as special envoys to Iran. So I, I don't have a warm and fuzzy about tracking what actually happened with that money. And you saw the tactics that they were using in that video. Now, think back to last week. Maybe it was even the week before where I told you very clearly in the day after the attack that I could tell by the tactics that they were using by their their what they were carrying how they moved into buildings how they zip-tied hands the way that they used hang gliders that they were specifically trained in Iran I could just tell because we faced the very same people and what did that video show you it showed you exactly what I told you 2 weeks ago 1 day after the attack so the Biden administration the Biden administration said they currently don't have enough evidence to say that they were specifically planning for the attack I mean, they used paragliders in the training video you just saw. All the tactics that they were implementing in those training videos, whether it was targeting mock Israeli camps or mock Israeli villages based on aerial satellite imagery. Yeah, they were preparing for the attack and they used our taxpayer dollars to do it. Doesn't any of this, how does this happen in in America? It's just this, it just seems like things that are happening right now are so bad and so backwards, it's hard to imagine how we get out of it. And so just to give you a sense of how the game is played. And the reason why I'm concerned about, oh, we're hitting we're hitting Iranian proxy targets in Syria. Okay, I have absolutely no details about any of that. Neither do you. No one's talking about it. The Biden administration hasn't really provided it, except for Pentagon talking points, of course, regurgitated by you know, fundamentally uncritical reporters. But you saw, I just showed you that Hamas and all these terrorists were training in Iran. At the same time, we released $6 billion of American money to Iran, sanction-free money to Iran. We give Hamas, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars of American taxpayer money every single year. The Biden administration does, not Trump. Trump didn't do that. He suspended the program. Biden continues to do it. So essentially what's happening here? Is the Biden administration is indirectly, if not directly, funding these proxy targets that we're hitting in Syria with our taxpayer dollars and using American military might, jets, bombs, aircraft carrier, aircraft carriers that also require our taxpayer dollars. Our taxpayer dollars are on both sides of this fight. Do you see how the military industrial complex, you know, Eisenhower said beware the military industrial complex. What he means? Do you see how they don't lose in this equation? They're funding both sides of this war. And not only that. The this war is going to escalate. Eventually, if this if we end up going to war with Iran, and I just showed you a video of Blinken And the Iranian foreign minister minister basically saber-rattling and saying, if you mess with us, we're coming after you. Iran said, well, if you mess with us, we're coming after you. We we end up in a war with Iran. What does that mean? Have any of our leaders thought about what the end state of that looks like? Because you can bet that Russia will get into the fight at some point, even though they've got a fight in Ukraine on their own. It's essentially a stalemate, but they've got what they want in Ukraine right now. You can bet that Russia will enter the fray. And that's why Russia on Wednesday, because all of this is going down, right? All this escalatory rhetoric on all sides. OK, Russia in the midst of all of this. And again, you're not going to hear this reported on any of the mainstream media, probably not even Fox News. But Russia on Wednesday did a full test of its strategic nuclear weapons, all three. they From submarines to airplanes to intercontinental ballistic missiles. As of right now, they're flying uh, MiG-31s every day carrying hypersonic missiles. Hypersonic missiles can sink a carrier sitting in the Black Sea with the missiles being on target without radar sensing them at all in mere seconds. I mean, I don't know the exact number. I'm not a Navy guy. I'm an Army guy. I'm a ground pounder. But there aren't. we don't have that many aircraft carriers. What happens if Russia fires a hypersonic missile at one of our carriers? I mean, so our ace in the hole in the United States of America, because, of course, our enemies have technology. We don't have hypersonic technology. China has it. Russians have it. We don't. So right now, and when I told you leading into this segment that the world has changed because our enemies have capabilities that we don't, that's what I mean. Are our leaders in the Pentagon considering this? Because that changes what they call in the military the contemporary operating environment. The threat level is completely changed. So something like that happens. Just war game this with me. Russia sinks a carrier. What do we fire back with a nuclear sub? As I mentioned, that's our ace in the hole. We have better technology than our enemies right now. Our enemies have no idea where they are. We can wipe out every city in China with one warhead from any of our nuclear subs. But what do we find? So does that mean we fire a nuclear weapon at, at Russia if they sink an aircraft? I'm just saying these are these are the things that people in the Pentagon, you would hope, are thinking about. And you look at this like I'm gonna put this image up there, Brock, if we have it Um, and I'll summarize it for you. This is a chart. I, I don't know if you can see it. Um, if you can't screenshot your screen, if you're watching on your phone, if you're watching on TV, really look at this because this is concerning. Um, if you screenshot, if it's on your phone and, and zoom in on it, but basically it, it puts forth that even if the war in Ukraine ended tomorrow, it would take over five years. It would take over five years to replenish our stockpile of artillery shells alone javelins and stingers as well javelins are okay so our artillery shells are what we used in afghanistan the big guns you pull the car they're like cannons they explode on target they're called indirect fire javelins are used shoulder fired weapon systems are used to take their anti-armor weapons ground to ground weapons they take out tanks enemy tanks and things like that stingers are surface to air missiles so if you're facing a conventional threat and like, like Russia, for example, and they have helicopters, you're going to need troops on the ground with stingers to take them out. As of right now, it's going to take five years to replenish our stockpile. So even if the war does escalate, what the hell are we going to use? I mean, I suppose you could drastically ramp up the level of production, but the level of sophistication it takes to build a javelin or a stinger, is. It, takes a long time to manufacture those things. There's just no substitute for time when you're doing it because they're technologically sophisticated weapon systems. So we're not ready. So we've been attacked. US forces have been attacked 15 times in the last 24 hours. The Pentagon, prior to that, when I talked about a massive mobilization, the likes of which we haven't seen since September 11th, is deploying Two carrier strike groups, 11 Burke-class destroyers, a number of Ticonderoga-class cruisers, amphibious assault ships, FAD and Patriot missiles. Okay, so Patriot missiles are sort of like what Israel uses for the Iron Dome. Um, their air defense artillery but they're missile to missile so like it, or during the Gulf War we had patriot missile systems that would shot shoot down Saddam Hussein's scud missiles right those are what patriot missiles are and multiple squadrons of fighter jets strategic bombers and undisclosed assets to the middle east uh, does does this concern anyone that we're not actually having a conversation about what this looks like because israel they've only asked for Military aid, most of which has already been appropriated for their fight against Hamas. They don't want a single American troop on the ground. They've said so. Not only do they not need it, but it actually delegitimizes them in the eyes of their geopolitical and regional partners, their Arab partners. They don't want to be seen as an American puppet. They don't want our people on the ground. So it begs the question why? Why this massive? Moment? Now, you can make the argument that we're just putting you know, carrier strike groups in the region to help with, you know, casualty evacuation, hostage evacuation to support the Israelis if need be, make it easier to strike Iran. But my God, I want you to think about this since 9-11, America, our war on terror and the 20 years of war that 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 we fought in again over half of my life has had had staggering consequences. 37 million people displaced, 4.5 million lives lost and a jaw-dropping $8 trillion price tag, $8 trillion. So the wars in Iraq, Afghanistan funneled millions of refugees to the United States and to Europe. Uh, Of course, Biden during his 50 years in Washington championed every single one of these interventions. It should concern the hell out of you because I have five kids. I have a son who might be drafted into this fight. And if you think I'm, I'm lying to you about the the draft, let me read to you this thing on Twitter that I found just prior to coming on the show. I want, I want to read this. The, the Army War College. The Russia-Ukraine war and what it means to face a conventional threat, why I said we're not ready to face a conventional threat. We're, we've been strictly structured in the military to face asymmetric threats, Islamic threats like Hamas uh, and Hezbollah. The conventional threat army is a totally different thing, but... Listen to this. No one's talking about this. But the Army Theater, this is from the War College, where we train our senior officers, Army Theater medical planners may anticipate a sustained casualty rate of roughly 3,600 casualties per day, ranging from those killed in action to those wounded in action or suffering from disease and other uh, non-battle injuries. And this is from the, the the first line, in it is the Russia-Ukraine war is exposing significant vulnerabilities in the army's strategic personnel development and ability to withstand and replace casualties. No one is talking about this. No one. It goes on to say, for context, the United States sustained about 50,000 casualties in two decades of fighting in Iraq and Afghanistan in large scale combat operations, large scale combat operations, meaning like against a conventional force like China or Russia. The United States could experience that same number of casualty in two weeks. So the individual ready reserve what they call the IRR, okay? Uh this a standing army of of civilians who aren't actually in the reserve national guard or active duty force but they're they could be called upon to serve. At any given time they work civilian jobs and things like that. They call them the individual ready reserve, the IRR. The individual ready reserve which stood at 700,000 in 1973 and 450,000 in just in 1994 now stands at 76,000. These numbers cannot fill the existing gaps in the active force, let alone any casualty replacement or expression during large-scale combat operations. The implication is that in the 1970s concept, the 1970s concept of an all-volunteer force, the military that I served in and volunteered for, has outlived its shelf life and does not align with the current operating environment. The technological revolution described below suggests this force has reached, it's obsolete now, essentially, is what they're saying. So what does that mean for you? And what does that mean for your children as our politicians continue to escalate this fight? What our most senior officers are talking about right now are a mandatory conscription program. They're talking about a draft. And that should scare you. And another thing that should scare you is the fact that we are just, our military is just not ready for this fight. So if your son or daughter gets conscripted into the military or worse, drafted into the military, they will enter a force that is entirely focused on the wrong stuff. Go ahead and roll this tape, Brock. We are not prepared for the next war. We are not. We are not, and no one is talking about the fact that our most senior leaders in the military are advocating for a draft and a mandatory conscription. I've got a 16-year-old daughter. I've got a 14-year-old son going on 15. I've got two 12-year-olds and a 10-year-old. In the next 10 years, every single one of them could be called up to serve in some way, and by the way, I am not uh, anti—it would be the honor of a lifetime if my children— decided to serve this great country. It would. But the reality is, is that we are facing global threats, the likes of which we haven't seen. This country has never been led by more incompetent people. Biden is a mouth-breathing, walking, animated corpse that barely knows where he is half the time. Everyone that surrounds him is completely and totally incompetent in every way. And this is the world that we live in. And so it scares the living hell out of me. It's to scare the living hell out of you too. But If you're playing the mouth breather drinking game, go ahead and take a drink. It's Friday. And of course, we're going into the weekend. And I talked a lot about just a block. And Brock used to joke with me that, oh my God, Sean, you say that you're not going to be able to do an hour show, but eventually you're going to be asking for a hell of a lot more time than that. It really does seem like an hour's just not enough. Uh, And Brock was, as usual, is 100% right about all that. But on Friday, we like to go out with things that, are funny and um, i'm going to keep that promise to you today i think last friday we had some technical difficulties this friday let's keep our fingers crossed that that does not happen but i saw this video on twitter there's this guy, I, I don't even know his name. I, I mean, I, if Brock, if you have it or you can see the tweet or pull it up, like let me know his name and I'll, I'll direct you all to go like check out his Twitter feed and follow him because this guy is absolutely hysterical. But I saw this video um, and I shared it with just a quote on Twitter. It just said, this is amazing. And he, what he basically does is edit himself into news segments with these mouth breathing super libs. And he did that himself on The View here recently. Um, And it's just hysterical. So as we go into the weekend, this is your Friday funny. Go ahead and roll the tape, Rock. Well, first of all, we want to
4: thank
1: you for everything you did to protect yeah. our country. Yeah,
5: I'm sorry. What exactly did you protect the country from? Of course, there were some bad apples. Yet the security footage shows that they literally opened the door and let everyone in. No one had any weapons and it looked like a guided tour. And let's not forget that the only person who died that day was Ashley Babbitt who was shot and killed by the Capitol Police. So please, help me understand, what exactly did he save the country from? Um, he, he's, uh, I wrote a book.
0: We have to go to break. <laughs> <laughs> you
5: know
2: what's crazy is that everything he said there, he wasn't He was. of course it was hysterical, but everything he said there is true, yet nobody in the media ever even talks about it anymore. These these mouth breathers make me sick. Uh, beware, beware of the mouth breathers. I, last week it was beware of the squishes. This week is beware of the mouth breathers. But look, we're 58 minutes past the hour. We got two minutes left this weekend. I, I want you to know that, you know. My, while my family's going 15 different ways from Sunday, I do realize that the stuff that we talk about on this show is really heavy. I do. And I'm going to work real hard at trying to bring you more lighthearted stuff and actually give you hope, and how to fight back, what the pathway forward actually looks like, uh, because I know we live, I say this and I mean it, that we, our country really does stand on a very thin line between hope and darkness. And we have to fight like hell to keep this country from plunging into darkness because there's nowhere else to go. And our children and our grandkids got to leave with this world when we all pass from this earth and come hell or high water, we have to make sure that they inherit a free country. Because as I mentioned before, there's just nowhere else to go. So if you've made it through the full hour of this program, thank you. I mean, it's amazing to watch this go this grow. I mean, we're damn near almost 500 viewers live, which is pretty amazing considering we've only been doing this show for just a couple of months. Um, Thank you. I, I'm so lucky to have you in the trenches with me. You know, also share the show. Tell, Tell your family, tell your friends, get in the live chat. We're building a coalition here. You know, Um, share the show on your show, on your social media, on Facebook, on Instagram, if you have it um, on Twitter, on Getter, on Truth. Share it. Just copy and paste the link and rumble and share it. Ask your family and friends to get in the trenches. You know, this show going into 2024, I think it's going to be really important. You know, get them in the fight with me. I'd love to have them Um, like this video. It helps me a lot. Subscribe to my page. That also helps me a lot. Mon- battleground live airs monday through friday every night at five it also airs on the red voice media network go over there on rumble they broadcast a hell of a conservative lineup over there i air in the 5 p.m time slot there as well go subscribe to them as well if you're tired of mainstream media if you're tired of cable news they got great people over there too they can they can spit facts and so as always thank you very very much for being with me I truly, truly appreciate the dedication that you show to me, my family, and the show. Uh, Have a great weekend. There is hope moving forward. We can do this. God bless you all. And God bless this amazing country that we live in. I will see you on Monday. Take care.
0: In the 90s, New York
1: detective Louis Scarcella locked up the worst criminals.
0: Putting bad guys away. There's
1: no feeling like it. Then jailhouse lawyers took aim, led by Derek Hamilton. Scarcella took me to the precinct and lied. 20 men eventually walked free. Now, in the Burden podcast, after a decade of silence, Louis Scarcella finally tells his story, and so does Derek Hamilton. Listen to The Burden on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.